0: Welcome to Season 4 of the Barfly Podcast. My name is Jeff Berkert, Barfly columnist for the Bay Area News Group, and author of the books, 20 Years Behind Bars, and its sequel, Parole Denied. My co-host and barback is Kevin Law, editor of the online entertainment hub, The Marine Dish. So sit back and enjoy our little peek behind the hospitality industry curtain. Oh,
1: and don't forget to... Have a drink on me. We are excited to have Clay Walker on the podcast today. Clay is the president of God's Roadside, a very popular upscale fast casual restaurant with, is it eight locations? Correct. Here in the Bay Area, and that includes Napa's, Oxbow Public Market, San Francisco Ferry Building, Palo Alto, Walnut Creek, Green Bray, right outside my backyard, I believe the Chase Center And SFO. If you ever visit uh, St. Helena, if there's ever traffic, that's because people are waiting in line to get into GOTS. So, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I always like to start these things off with, you know, in the beginnings, like how how you got into this whole crazy uh, mechanism. How did you get
2: connected with the the Gut Brothers? I met Joel GOTT many years ago. In hindsight, it turns out we were living fairly parallel lives. Joel, who started God's Roadside in 1999 in, in Santa Helena, I was in New York at the same time starting my own restaurant concept. It turns out, small world story, I went to high school with Joel's now wife. Okay. <laughs> All right. That
0: is a small world. <laughs> and
2: we'd lost touch, yeah. but we're friendly. Mm-hmm. She brought Joel into my restaurant in New York City to say hello and to introduce us. Fast forward into 2012, I had grown and sold my restaurant business in New York, relocated up to the Bay Area, bringing my family with me. Yeah, I grew up in Marin, but my second chapter is here with my own family. I ended up in a business meeting up in Napa with my business par- partner at the time, Matt Holmes at Buku. And we reconnected. Sarah, Joel's wife, had been to Buku and Mill Valley, asked randomly, who's behind this incredible place? And one of our employees said, oh, Matt Holmes and Clay Walker. And she said, Clay Clay Walker. Walker. (laughs) And so she texted me that night and said, you got to be kidding. When did you move back? Is there any chance... You guys would open a buku in St. Helena because mm-hmm. there's nothing for me to eat. I said, why don't we have a meeting? So we went up there and chatted. And that's where I met Joel Gott, the second time. We just hit it off, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I at that point, I was an industry vet. So was he. Lots of parallels. Joel is married with three kids. I'm married with three kids. He's got many irons in the fire professionally you know, his core business is the wine business. Kindred Spirits. What I offered him then and there, not knowing whether this Buku concept was going to grow or not, because I was really a consultant with Buku. Mm -hmm. So I offered him my consulting service. I said, hey, listen, if you ever need help, I've been in this a long time. And it's a crazy business, right? And I could tell he's spread thin, personally and professionally. Shortly thereafter, he called me up and said, hey, I'd like to continue our conversations. And one thing led to another. So I started consulting, mm-hmm. and then I decided to join full-time after we discovered that it was mutually beneficial.
0: It's funny how this restaurant business coalesces like that, yeah. where you know, you have these, people who've done it for a long time can communicate in a language that's kind of different. Because you can find these people who, where when you talk to them, you realize immediately that they don't know what they're talking about. Where people who've been in the industry, they, they speak the same language in, in subtleties and and indirectly, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing how that works out. Plus, it's all, you know, I've always stated, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast many times, it's about building relationships. And sometimes restaurants lose track of that, but those relationships come back, it's circular.
2: Who knew, right? Yeah. Who, who knew? It's a small world, and mm-hmm. I think Joel felt comfortable faster than he would have otherwise without my personal connection to his wife Mm -hmm. in an earlier chapter, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, she could vouch for me. Right. (laughs) He's a smart guy. Mm -hmm. He's got integrity. You should look into this. You know, I think that's really all she did.
0: We had an interesting conversation when we had uh, Aldi Butler on about how the, we talked about how their first foray into Marin had, had not gone so well. But part of that was because they hired a manager and then, as he put it, four weeks later, handed the entire the keys over to a guy we barely knew, and so there's that idea of of longevity where you yep. know who someone is or you've heard who someone is, as opposed to just hiring up, as they say in this industry, yep. right? Which means hiring someone you don't know and hoping that they turn out well.
2: It's very risky. Yeah. Because especially once you have an established brand, it's really a curation process. What you don't want to do is is rip the rug out from what a guest is accustomed to because yes a lot of diners want adventure but even more diners want predictability consistency yeah yeah they really do i mean they they want to go where they're comfortable where they're made to feel welcome and special
1: well i think i remember reading something you said a few years ago that you are part of the happy industry That really
2: resonated with me, and I I was like, yeah, that's kind of what you are doing. The amount of guff I took from friends for that (laughs) quote, that quote is true, and I've said it over and over, but my my friends outside the industry like to poke fun at that, but they get it. It's all in good fun, but yeah, that's that's absolutely true. That means something slightly different at every restaurant. Every restaurant kind of has their own point of view, their suite of services that they're offering, type of food, type of service, environment, design, all that. I mean my mandate when I joined GOTS was A to shore up foundation of concept mm-hmm. and B position company for growth. When I joined in twenty twelve there were three restaurants. Now there are eight. You know, even the three that existed already, those have doubled in volume just through what I call curation. Concept evolution, not too much change all at once, but just looking for opportunities to improve.
1: Can you give us an offer. example?
2: Of course. GOTS is, we say, been serving the California roadside since 1999. It's kind of our slogan. When I joined, it was really burgers, fries, and shakes focused, upscale versions mm-hmm. of those things. One of the first things I did when I was consulting for Joel is I interviewed all the players because I had been a customer for many years and fascinated. One of the people I interviewed was Sarah Gott. It is really related to when she reached out to me originally when she visited Buku. I said, so how many days a week do you eat at Gott's? And she goes, there's nothing for me to eat there. Oh, that's why you're asking. You know, Buku is Asian street food, organic, really veg heavy. And she happens to be a triathlete. And so she really cares about what she's eating and has strict diets around certain things.
0: You're not saying burgers, fries, and
2: shakes are not good
0: for you? That's not what you're saying. Right? Well,
2: you know, we only say six. <laughs> we're fine with six days a week. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing, this is gold, right? Ona's wife doesn't, doesn't eat there, right? Doesn't yeah. eat. I mean, goes there with the family, right. but may not be eating with the rest of the family. The demographic skewed male. Burgers and yeah, you know, heavier fare, right? And so it was obvious to me that the immediate opportunity was to introduce some lighter fare, vegetarian, you know, salad category. Really focused on improving the salad offerings, kale and quinoa. Really kind of injecting a California cuisine into the existing concept. All of a sudden, our market share started to increase dramatically, right? Because even in today's world, the people making the family dining decisions are often matriarchs. If there's not something for mom, then she may veto right. the entire family from going there. Right. And so it's we joke about eliminating the veto vote, right? What we've tried to do from day one on my watch is increase the breadth of offerings when I first joined, I'm like, oh, there's gonna be so much dead wood. We're gonna narrow this. It'll be so much easier to scale. Which is true. What we're doing is a pretty big menu, but what I quickly realized is our competitive advantage is the breadth. Because it's a barrier to entry. It makes it harder for other people to do what we do. You know, and that's that's really evolved into from salads into more plant based options. We we're early adopters of the impossible burger. Oh, okay. And it's just been huge for us, I have to say. It, you know because our core has never changed but then the ancillary
0: stuff right. is right. and adaptable i would imagine too
2: adapt yeah. right it's just it attracted new customers right. and i would say even more importantly stimulated higher frequency of visits from our from our guests because we were joking earlier about how many days we could get a week you can eat a hamburger right? right fish tacos on tuesday some sort of vietnamese chicken salad on wednesday Every day of the week you can mix it up. An impossible yeah. burger on you know, you know, I joke with some of our regulars that you know perhaps they should seek some help <laughs> because they're inside a restaurant so so yeah. often. But it's really helped in terms of just growth. Not taking yourself too seriously to that right. kind of you know, that kind of Oh, we're not precious, but we are on the side of premium ingredients across the whole menu whether it be food and bev,
1: That's interesting that you bring that up because I think you guys are rare in the sense that you have what you might describe as a California-centric wine and beer program yep. and, and all that, which you don't find at many fast-casual restaurants. I mean, granted, you guys are not just fast-casual, you're an upscale
2: fast-casual place. Love to hear, like, the philosophy behind that. Gott's, starting in St. Lena, it's really a wine country brand.
0: Well, Joel Gott, it, right?
2: right? Yeah. It's a wine country brand. It started there it was founded by a local what we've tried to do wherever we go is is bottle that magic and bring it into urban and suburban locations you know this market the greater bay area tends to care more than most about what they're eating and drinking you know it's a relatively health focused market and it's and it's highly educated and cultured and so our primary demographic is looking for quality and is not afraid to pay a little bit more for it. You know, there's that age-old cliche, you get what you pay for, right? So when people say, geez, I visited Guts, and, you know, compared to in out it's all, you know, yeah. I don't think it's worth it, or, you know, it's a different value proposition, mm-hmm. right? And so there's plenty of crossover, um, but there there's also a gap, right? There's not 100% because it's people have different values. You know, we use Nyman Ranch beef, that costs us more money, therefore it costs the guests more money. Where it really comes through, because there's burger joints all over the place, right? But we have, we round out the menu with salads. We have seasonal specials, like we have do this huge dungeness crab thing during local crab season. There is not another burger joint. And so we do stuff like that. We do elote, which is or oh, the corn. Yeah, the corn yeah, on the yeah, cob, right. uh, Mexican yeah. street-style, cotilla cheese. And it's just amazing to walk through our dining rooms, which are essentially picnic tables, right, indoor and outdoor. People gnawing on cobs, and, and you just don't see that, right? So it's it's upscale, and there are what I call touches from finer dining that are interspersed in our menu, whether it's food or beverage. And in our service style. So on the on the wine and beer side, Joel's obviously a wine industry expert. And so he curates that himself. We have inputs into it. I curate the beer list. And so that's kind of hobby and business mm-hmm. at the same time. Yes, you're going to see brands on there like Flowers, Pinot and Duckhorn Chardonnay and Turley Zin. That's what our guests want and expect from... Being from the wine country, it also helps us differentiate ourselves from other operators. You know, the super-dupers of the world, the Shake Shacks of the world. Mm -hmm. Those higher prices... Yeah, we have a $99 bottle of Flowers Pinot on the menu. Which is outstanding. It's outstanding. Right. Does everybody want it? No. Yeah. Do some people want it? Absolutely. You know, we have a half-bottle program, which is great for us because we're not a bar, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we're most people have one drink with their meal and scram but we like to have really upscale options for for people who care right or people who are celebrating or if it's you know one of our regulars is LeBron James he'll come up to St. Lena with teammates and buy all his friends a huge meal he'll order the top shelf thing we have you know the Cadillac burger we didn't have flowers at that point in time, so. I'm It'll be interesting to see cool. what he does this time, right? <laughs> it was Schaefer, which is you know Schaefer Chardonnay, red shoulder. Red. Uh, no, it's a red, a red cap. Cap. Okay. You know, it's high, highbrow on our menu at the time. He ordered one for everybody in his party. Well, he is LeBron James. Well, right, yeah. so he, he's gonna throw down, and <laughs> yeah. you know, it's he wants the best. So we like to to provide that opportunity for people who want it, which is cool. And then, you know, kind of our our store layouts, we spend money on design. Capturing that magic from Santa Helena mm-hmm. and then making our spaces warm and friendly, right? We're not trendy, we, we go for timeless because we're family, multi-generation, we want everybody to feel comfortable. We have some more out there menu items, but we have, you know, beyond breadth of menu, we have accessible price points. Something yeah. for everybody. Something of. for everybody, right, right. which has been, you know, that's kind of our internal slogan, right? If there's something for everybody, then everybody gets you're, something. You're, right? you know, <laughs> in demand, yeah. mm-hmm. and and that's kind of it's kind of your secret sauce. Well, that's yeah, right. That's how we've been able to kind of maintain what we're doing.
0: Part of the the whole fast casual thing that happens is sometimes people pigeonhole. Like you said, you you can't get a good. Beverage right. at a burger joint right. or you can't get a good burger at a steak place or those types of things and and, and that's that's kind of missing the point that you can't add these subtle to little points of, of difference differentiating yourself from other people and that make all the difference in the world, right? Just like a cocktail, a garnish and a glass make a huge difference right. in the perception of the drink and that's the same even with fast casual even though it's not, not that level of, of, of fussiness maybe right. you still need to hit those notes whatever they are
2: yeah and you know the lines between these different restaurant categories are blurring in real time, yes, right, and accelerated by the pandemic even because another differentiator for GOTS is having kind of that airy wine country indoor outdoor vibe. we need that otherwise we can't we're not ourselves and part of that are different seating areas in our in our layout, so it's indoor outdoor, but instead of just formica booths that you see at a lot of restaurants we have booths we have two tops we have eight seat picnic tables we have high top bar seating and we have bar counters so it gots yes it's a little bit of a cattle car situation where you get in line order and pay Mm -hmm. super democratic but at our newer restaurants we actually have bars we don't serve spirits except at the airport so it's just beer and wine but it helps us it enables us to showcase it more and it gives us a, a whole new service category right so the people who the dirty little secret at Gots is if there's a line around the block go to the bar and if there's an open seat you can plop down order eat and pay without leaving your stool oh wow, that's a good pro tip <laughs> That's not just a gods. That's a lot of restaurants. That's right. right? Well, uh, Well, we're just like, you know, our line is our number one marketing Mm -hmm. mechanism. But, you know, we don't want to lose people either. We don't want people to get frustrated. So we started adding a bar component. And our managers, you know, we pride ourselves on hospitality. We don't just sit behind the counter and wait for people to come, right? We've got a team of people out there walking the dining room whether it's indoor and outdoor and you know looking for people proactive who are management straight, proactive just management just like reactive. oh people needing you know right. refills people needing another round people mm. in line who look a little fidgety you know doing right. this would you be willing to sit at the bar and right. receive what? <laughs>
1: are you mind kidding blown me? It's like, right
2: let me take your arm <laughs> and it's like all of a sudden we're in the hero business yes. right? yeah and so we try to incorporate these different facets of of fine dining and other concepts when we figure them out we're constantly pounding pavement I mean that's that's the best part of being in a restaurant business is R&D that means eating and drinking at other establishments
0: <laughs> the sabbatical is a fun right? way to be on right? I mean, yes. it,
2: well it's just I mean you know my wife drives my wife crazy because you know she's looking at me and she's like you're doing math yeah. and I'm like yes I'll be right with you I just kind of oh that's interesting one of our biggest additions coming out of the pandemic on the beverage side it was something i saw in new orleans at and it's called frosé
1: i don't know that What is that
2: essentially an adult slushy
1: oh oh okay and so go on right no I mean, no, 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 no the the
2: i'll take one you know the rosé varietal has taken america by storm right mm-hmm. it's been popular in europe for quite some time the only pink when we were growing up was White Zinfandel, right. the Lake Tahoe special with ice cubes in it, right? right. <laughs> this is fine wine that is light, low alcohol, goes well with food, and is so incredibly marketable because of the color. Like, it's beautiful and, on the glass. It's just yeah. it, it's eye-catching. I was down in New Orleans, and you know it's super swampy down there, right? Frozen cocktails are a thing for a reason because it's hotter than Hades. I went into this restaurant, and this was a rosé wine-based slushy. It was kind of like, ding, 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 ding. Mm-hmm. You know, we had this to-do list of projects, right? Always. The only silver lining of the pandemic is that when we had to close our dining rooms, it gave us extra time to address some of those projects that have been on the to-do list forever, but we never get to them because the business is so crazy. So I grabbed my culinary director and said we're not leaving until we have a recipe. And so we sat there and formulated this thing and we had an idea of what what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just cuz we've been in the business for so long. And then we piloted it. It was still pent, you know, still pan, post-vaccine, but Yeah. still, you know, dining rooms had not reopened yet. We just put a sign up. It outsold all other wine combined. Really?
1: Yeah. Because it just seemed like a cool, shiny new thing, or it was just uh, I, so or it that good? It's, it's or is it both?
2: It's those are it's, all the intangibles. Yeah, you know. D yeah. all of the above. Yeah. yeah. You That's know, correct. it's it's market timing was perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Because people are in the pain cave, trapped, needing a glimmer of you know, yeah, some vacation in glass, right? Just mm-hmm. need it's kinda like the Southwest commercials, right? You wanna get away? It's, well, it's easy too, and right. it's recognizable. It's right, not, you don't have to do too much thinking
1: about it. No, and, and it's it's, it's just kind of like
2: frozen rosé. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah, that makes sense. If that was the description. Yeah, it was frozen. Right, what's that? Frozen rosé. Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. Got to try it. Yeah, it's you know in a cup that a to go cup. People just embraced it, and but we only had one machine, seven other restaurants. So we only ran it for a couple of weeks, and then it started to rain. It was a fall. I'm like, we're killing it. And we're going to order a bunch of machines, and then we're going to launch it at Mother's Day. Chain white. The rest is history. It still outsells all of our wines. I can't wait for you guys to try it, because it's not sickly sweet. You know, it has a little bit of an Aperol aftertaste, so it's super drinkable, Mm -hmm. but it's low alcohol yeah. and just casual.
0: Yeah, and the Aperol thing is a, an appropriate uh, comparison because yeah. it's the Aperol Spritz right. of the United States. Of course. right? And and that's the best because it's, again, oh, you, you don't have to delve into well, what's that and what's that and right. why are you doing it and all that. It just makes perfect sense when you see it. Yeah, and it's just... And the name, Rosé. What an awesome name. It is a
2: great name. It is, and yeah. it's, it's American. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, people know that the best Rosé comes from provence right it's just kind of unknown not that all rosé isn't drinkable it's great you know not everybody wants people people really like to drink domestic especially because we're so fortunate to have one of the best wine regions in the world In our our backyard, backyard. so yeah, to your more more than than one, several (laughs) valleys and valleys, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, it used to just be Napa, now it's Sonoma, now it's Anderson. Now I mean, the whole yeah, yeah, the whole state. So intentionally, our wine list is California centric, but we have a few outliers like our rosé, our house rosé is from Provence.
0: Again, the number one question when someone orders rosé, do you have rosé? Yes. Is, is it French? Right. That's almost ubiquitous with the right. question. It's don't no, and,
2: it. and we've, during summers when when rosés are especially popular, we'll sometimes bring in a couple other rosés. So there's actually a choice in the category. Without fail, French rosé outsells domestic rosé, like five to one. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get somebody who's, you know, California diehard who may disagree with that and... We have that for him, too. Yeah. Right?
1: So don't worry about tomorrow. Take it for today.
0: Please join us next time when we welcome Donna Seymour of Cochina S.A. San Anselmo to talk about outdoor dining, indoor dining, and Italian cocktails. My name
1: is Jeff Burkhart. Thanks for listening.